Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Melissa Stuttered, and I'd like to welcome you to Teferit Talk, the Blog Talk Radio show for Teferit, a journal of spiritual literature, where our goal is to promote peace in the individual and in the world through writing. In addition to listening today, you're invited to join our online community at www.teferitjournal.com. www.tiferetjournal.com, where you can read and post writings, interact with other members, and subscribe to the journal. We'd also like to let you know that our blog talk chat room is currently open if you would like to chat with other listeners or suggest questions. Our interview tonight is with Mark Allen. Allen is a musician, composer, internationally renowned author, and president and publisher of New World Library. His latest composition is a soaring orchestral work called Awakening, and his first instrumental album, Breathe, has now sold nearly 100,000 copies and has been named a New Age Golden Oldie by NAFRA. His most recent book, The Greatest Secret of All, guides the reader in unraveling the secrets of happiness, inner peace, ease, and fulfillment. Best-selling author Gay Hendricks says of The Greatest Secret of All, it's a wonderful contribution to humanity. It gives us the key to a life well-lived. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Mm, just fine, thanks. Great. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Um, I wanted to see if you could start by briefly sharing the story of how you changed your life path at the age of 30. Yeah. I love telling that story. That day, my 30th birthday, totally changed my life. Uh, I woke up in a state of shock, uh, realizing I wasn't a kid anymore. Until I was 29 and 364 days old, I still felt like a teenager. (laughs) And uh, I was born knowing one good thing. I knew it was very important to do what I loved to do. I had that piece of the puzzle. That's something a lot of people take years to learn. Some people never learn. I was born with that, so I knew it was important to do what I loved and to ignore what my parents wanted me to do. My dad wanted me to go into business. I had no interest in that. I I became a musician and an actor in my 20s, and I did what I loved, but I had no idea how to be successful doing what I loved. In fact, it was kind of cool to be a starving artist through my 20s. And and it it was fine until the day I turned 30. I turned 30, I literally spent most of the day pacing up and down my little slum room, single room apartment I had in a funky part of Oakland, California. It was 65 bucks a month. (laughs) But this was back 30 (laughs) years ago. So it was cheap. But even then I was scrounging, a word we used all the time, to get my 65 bucks together, I do remember thinking it was almost magical the way I just came up with 65 bucks because I had no money in the bank. I had no job. I'd had a rock band before that that fell apart. Everything in my 20s, looking back, it was like I had the opposite of the Midas touch. Everything fell apart that I got involved with. I I got in a theater company right out of college. That fell apart. I got into another company that totally fell apart. I went to a Zen center and got kicked out for breaking the rule. (laughs) I I 
finally I had a rock band that fell apart. Then I just even had little odd jobs. I lasted two days as a busboy and dishwasher before I was fired for being too slow. I lasted one day doing yard work. <laughs> they did not ask me to return after a day. <laughs> and and uh, so th- then I turned 30, and I had no job, no money, nothing. Oh, I tried a back-to-the-land thing in my early 20s, too. That completely was a disaster. I lasted about five months. But the day I turned 30, then I just paced back and forth and and thought about my life in a new way. I hadn't really even thought about what do I want to do with my life or the trajectory of my life or anything. I'd just been kind of following around other stronger people. I hadn't set a course for myself, really. And I realized that the day I turned 30. And I remember pacing up and down thinking, okay, what's the best thing to do? What do I do? How do I begin this doing what I need to do, which I wasn't sure what I needed to do. But then I remembered a game we played when I was 22, doing that back-to-the-land experiment where we all sat around a fire one night, and this one couple said, let's play a game we play at church camp. Let's imagine five years have passed, and everything has gone as well as you could imagine. What would your life look like? We went around the fire. I don't remember a word of what I said. So it had obviously no impact in my life whatsoever. But I remembered playing that little game on my 30th birthday alone in my apartment. This time, I, I and a, this little voice said, this is a good idea. Start here. And I did something that to this day I teach in Everything else proceeded from there. I took a sheet of paper. This time I wrote it down. I put ideal scene at the top in big letters. And I just imagined five years had passed and everything had gone as well as I could imagine. What would my life look like? And much to my amazement, what spilled out was I have this successful publishing company producing my books and my music and those of other people too. And it cruises along like effortlessly on its own ease, leaving me plenty of time to write and have creative time for myself and basically be lazy. And and I have this big white home on a hill in Marin County, California, just north of San Francisco, across the bay from where I was. I'd driven through Marin, and I said, this is like paradise. It's one of the most beautiful places on Earth. So that was my dream. And then as I dared think about it, even though I was already assaulted by doubts and fears, I added, if I dared think about my ideal, I want a life of ease. I don't want to work too hard. None of this 40-hour-a-week bit that, to me, always felt inhumane. I'd had some 40-hour-a-week jobs in my 20s. I did not like them. They didn't leave me enough time for myself and my creativity. And so, So I added, I want a life of ease. I want success with ease and then I was assaulted by doubts and fears and really dealing with those doubts and fears became the most important thing I did so to this day I I tell people the most important thing to do is set your course make these goals dare to dream and then deal with the doubts and fears that come up but don't let them get you off track for too long just keep going back to that dream do you have any good recommendations for how to deal with the doubts and fears? Yeah, I do. Uh, 
one thing that really helped me was the image that a plane is off course over 95% of the time, but a pilot keeps correcting over and over, and they reach their destination. I remember when I heard that, I thought, that's the story of my life. (laughs) Once you set a goal, once you dare to dream, you set a course, and whatever you do to move toward there, and it's always just small, obvious steps. A journey of a thousand miles begins with one small step, and then just another small step, there's no huge leaps you make. You just take the little obvious steps in front of you when you set your course. But then all those doubts and fears get us off course. And as long as we just keep correcting, we can be off course most of the time and still reach our destination. I That's remember a very thinking, yeah, it's comfort. I remember thinking, in fact, when I wrote a book called A Visionary Life, I thought, well, maybe you had to be on course. 51% of the time, you know, maybe you had, but when I really thought about it, no, more than that, I was off course. I was frustrated. It wasn't working. I, all these emotional things, all these problems and challenges and were in front of me. And I was off course more than I was on course. But that's why I love that metaphor of a plane. I think that's true in our lives. We can be off course most of the time. But if we just continue to return to our goal, our dream, our plan, and take the next obvious little step, over time we will reach our goal. Great. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you also in your most recent book, The Greatest Secret of All, you reveal that while it's wonderful to know how to create great wealth and success, the key to a happy, fulfilled life is really something deeper, um, which can also be attained through the same methods. And I was, wanted to see if you can talk a little bit about what that something is and how people can attain it. Yes. Every wealthy, wealthy person will tell you wealth does not make you happy. And maybe some people have to attain a certain level of wealth before they figure that out. But uh, <laughs> I... In fact, the the inspiration for the book, The Greatest Secret of All, came after first I saw the movie The Secret. Eckhart Tolle and I watched it. We watched The Secret. And uh, after I asked him, how did he like it? He said, oh, it's good, it's good. And I thought, yeah, it was okay. But I said, I wish they would have interviewed you, Eckhart, or someone else that would have added some depth to it and added the fact that you know, yes, you can create this stuff. You can manifest. The secret of manifestation is very simple. No one's hiding anything. It's very simple. I've already said it. You just set a course. You make a clear goal. You take the next obvious step in front of you. You let the doubts and fears arise, but then you get back and take the next step. That's the secret of manifestation. It's simple. The older I get, the simpler I see it and the more effective it it all is. Yes, anybody can learn the secret of manifestation. That's great. But there are far greater things in life. Right after seeing the secret, two nights later, I saw a bio on PBS of J. Paul Getty. He was the richest man in the world in his time, and he was one of the most miserable people anyone has ever met. He, he It was pathetic. The story of his life... <laughs> not only made me sad, it gave me this lump in my stomach of 
of just real sadness for for this pathetic man who didn't understand the things that are far more important than money. All he knew about is money, and he sacrificed his family. He sacrificed everything. He ended up alone and rich. He wow. had four or five different wives. They all ended up in divorce. He'd had five children. He never even held his own sons. He would leave. When his wife got pregnant, he'd freak out, fly to another continent, divorce her. Wow. Poor man. It was pathetic. And seeing those two things together, the secret and the J. Paul Getty thing, just kept these ideas coming through my mind. Of Wait, I can simply say it. I can simply write that there are far greater secrets than the secret of manifestation, so-called secret. It's not a secret. I just told it to you. <laughs> there's, no, <laughs> there's far greater non-secrets to a life well-lived, and that is, of course, love one another. Love and serve yourself and others. And I, that's the message I get, that the greatest secret of all is always based on love and loving, first of all, ourselves, and then all others. And that'll never take you in any wrong path. That's the greatest secret to a life well lived. It's also very concrete, good business sense for your business and career to be guided by that fact that you're there to love and serve other people. If the banks on Wall Street would have remembered that simple fact, they wouldn't have gone bankrupt. We wouldn't have had the collapse of 08 because... A purpose of a bank is to serve other people's financial needs. They forgot that. They thought the purpose of their careers was to make as much money as possible. That's the worst possible way to operate, to, trying to just make as much money as possible because you end up hurting yourself as well as other people. So it's good, solid business guidance to love and serve yourself and others in your career and business. I was going to ask you um, something kind of related to that. Um, do you have any tips for people for how to recognize when they're on or off course? Because it is so easy in the most subtle ways to start getting pulled off of that course. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely any, it, it can be both just in our thinking, and it can be in our emotions. In our thinking, when we get overwhelmed with problems and obstacles or frustrated with details or all the things, that that can take us off course. In our emotions, of course, any kind of frustration, anxiety, all that stuff takes us off course. The... Uh, I, I was just... I've done this new course that is will be a book called A Course in Magic. And I was looking at the Kabbalah, you know, and the stages of creation that the Kabbalah represent. Right down the middle of the Kabbalah is where creation happens, the middle pillar, they call it. Yeah. And it, the, the top one is pure spirit. Then the next one is focused mind, not going off left and right, not getting distracted by too many other possibilities, or by this problem or that problem. Then it goes down to focused emotion, mm. which, which focused meaning really has the power of love behind it. And it's not getting 
too much distracted by frustration or anxiety or doubts and fears. Once you've got a clear, focused thought with the emotion of love behind it, it will manifest. The bottom of the middle pillar is manifestation. And that's that's the way I see it. When you do dream and dare to dream and get focused and don't get too distracted. Some people, a lot of people, including me, uh, get distracted by so many other possibilities. You know, oh, I have this idea. Oh, but that's a great idea too. And I could, you know, I could do this. And then, of course, there's this totally different thing that that's back there. And our minds can go in too many creative directions, so that we forget to focus on one enough to bring it into being. Well, pick one thing at a time. You can do a lot. A lot of successful people do a lot of different things successfully. You can have several things you do and are good at and successful at. But, of course, you do them one at a time. You focus on one thing and take the next steps that you need to take. Once I set my my course, I had the most odd thing in that once I realized, you know, I once I got a clear focus, I would start to make plans, simple one-page plans. And always the next step was so obvious. It always felt like, gee, why didn't I think of that before? Or oh, that's simple. Or that's just a phone call. Or that's just a simple thing to do. The next step became very obvious and clear as I just kept focusing on my goal and affirming that I was creating that goal in an easy and relaxed manner in a healthy and positive way. That affirmation worked for me. That's great. Um, You yourself are someone who's involved in so many different activities, you know, with the music and writing and publishing and teaching. And um, one thing I think um, just from studying you and your work that I've observed is that it seems also that part of the success of that is having a core purpose um, from which all of the activities stem. And um, I was wondering if you could talk about what you visualize your core purpose as. Yeah, in in some of my seminars, I've even had people meditate on their purpose and write their purpose, and we share it. A good way to get in there is meant reflect on the word vocation, which means calling. Or for some people, the word mission inspires them and purpose scares them. So I have them reflect on your vocation or mission or purpose, whatever feels right to you. Reflect on that and write it. That's very, very good. I found for me, I I never really did that until I was well on my way. I found just doing my ideal scene, when I dared dream of my ideal, the ideal life, the purpose is embedded right in there, just like every major goal is embedded right in that ideal scene. So the purpose was there without even thinking about it. When I dared to dream of the life of my dreams five years in the future, if I could do, be, and have anything, that's what I challenged myself to dare to dream. Then within that, your purpose becomes obvious. And so 
I didn't reflect for quite a while and put it in words, you know, what my purpose really is. My purpose didn't guide me so much as my ideal scene led me step by step in all my goals. It led me to finally realize the greatest secret of all, which I, I believe in my words. I mean, I challenge everyone to think of it and put it in their own words. What's the most important thing in life? What is the greatest secret of all? To me, it led to that phrase, love and serve yourself and others. And then, and I find a thing about purpose is I, I say, too, it's wonderful to write your purpose and reflect on it, but I think purpose isn't something you share with the world. Now, uh, a mission or something... Uh, if you have a, if you're an entrepreneur or even an artist, if you have a mission statement, you know, on your website, that's a great thing to share to the world. Our company, New World Library, has a mission statement. We create books and other media that change people's lives in the world. That's a wonderful mission statement to share with well, the world. Wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, I was wanting to ask you, um, obviously your track record shows that uh, that's exactly what New World Library has done. And um, how do you know when you've come across something with this incredible power to change people's lives? Uh, I People always ask me what we're looking for, and I just say projects we fall in love with mm-hmm. and projects that just need to be out there, and you, yeah, you have that sense. Oh, there's, there's some people, and and often it's us. It's somebody here, some, some editor here finds a project that they love it, and said, ah, I learned so much from this. This is so great. I love this stuff, and then we publish it, and it has that effect on other people. I've always had the sense, whatever I love and affects my life, millions of other people. <laughs> are the same as me in that way. Right. Great. Thank you. Um, And I have found just parenthetically, I mean, often the things that we get that we say, this is really good stuff, but, you know, I've heard it, or it's not for me, but I think there's a lot of other people out there. Those things don't do well. Hmm. Somebody here has to really love it and find it really meaningful for them. And then... Mm -hmm it does well and proves meaningful for all kinds of people. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about your music before we run out of time. And um, when I was listening to your music, for me, it was like embarking on a journey inward and at the same time kind of like traipsing around the cosmos. And um, I was wondering how you achieve the simultaneous intimacy and expansiveness within a single piece. Oh, what a wonderful question. I've never been asked anything like that. Um, All I can say about my music is the same thing Eckhart said about his writing. I asked Eckhart why he thought the power of now did so well. And he just smiled and he said, well, every sentence came from presence. And that's all he said. Wow. Every sentence. He waited to write every sentence until presence was there. He even he showed me the house in Sausalito where he began to write 
the power of now. Then he went back to England, and he couldn't write in England, and he tried many times, but it never he never got anything from presence. Then he came back here to the West Coast and ended up in Vancouver, and that's where he finished the book. He said, there's something about America and maybe the West Coast specifically, but that helped him get into presence. So that every, and that is why that book is so spectacular and so quotable. Every sentence just came from a quiet place of presence. And I know with my music, that's the only place it comes from. That's the only place it can come from. When I'm just absolutely quiet, and when I'm not, when I'm not trying to do anything, when I get out of the way, the music happens. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's almost like a meditation. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It does come from presence. I've often thought good music is a wonderful meditation tool because. When we listen to music we love, what happens? We're we're in a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you also, I, I noticed looking through your works that, um, as with all great teachers, you offer your guidance in a variety of formats uh, really to accommodate different learning styles. And um, you know, the blogs, podcasts, seminars, audio courses, there's so much out there from you. And I'm wondering if you have recommendations for people for how to choose, according to their own learning style, where the best place is to begin exploring your work. Mm. Yeah, different people definitely learn in different ways. And uh, some are just audio, just listening to talk mm-hmm. is, is beautiful. And others are more visual. And the visual types, uh, I'm often asked that, which book to start with. And if they're right there, I can say, well, are you the kind of person that can really go through a big course? Or are you an entrepreneur? Or are you kind of lazy, like I am, basically? And if they say they can go through a big course, I say the millionaire course. Work through that. It, it's it's not a great title. It should be called Success with Ease. It's the only book that says being a millionaire is not important in the least, actually. <laughs> Although it's it's a fine goal and it's very concrete. But it's all about just defining what success really means for you and then creating it. But if you're too lazy to move through a big book like that, my little Type Z Guide to Success for Lazy People or even The Greatest Secret of All has it summarized very simply in very few pages. I, I you know, promised I would try to give the essence away of what I know every time I talked and every time I wrote. So the essence is in everything. Mm-hmm. Great, great. It's an interesting style, too, and the greatest secret of all, um, the way you have the the longer text and then you have the key points set off so really people can read it in two different ways um, if they want to really go deeply or just glean the main points. Um, yeah. How did it become apparent to you that this would be a, a good way to, or a good style to communicate the message? Because it's, it's been, such, I haven't done before. It's fantastic. Yeah, I've been doing that for years. Uh, I remember when I first saw a business plan when I started the company, uh, one of the plans I saw had 
all the text and all the stuff, all on right-hand pages. And then the left-hand pages just had like one sentence that summarized everything. And I was just struck by that format and found, oh, yeah, business plans are read by busy people. A great many of them will just read that one sentence. And I thought, that's a good writing style because it forces you as a writer to really say it briefly, really cut yeah. through the all the words. And, okay, what in that page, what one sentence do you want to retain or remember? Right, right, and it, it helps you to realize what your key points are as well, so you can mm-hmm. be more focused. Yeah. Uh, we are about to run out of time, and I was—I just wanted to see before we end if you have any upcoming events or publications or courses or anything you'd like to announce. Oh, thanks a lot. Uh, I do have these free teleseminars the first Wednesday of every month, and so Wednesday, June 1st, I'm having a free teleseminar. Uh my other things aren't scheduled yet, but just markallen.com, M-A-R-C-A-L-L-E-N.com, has right. upcoming stuff and links to my music and books and blogs and everything. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us tonight. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you, Melissa. I really enjoyed talking to you. Wonderful. Have a great night. Yep. You too. Bye. Bye. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Melissa Stuttered, and I'd like to welcome you to to Ferret Talk. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Tonight.